Mac Football Pod. I'm Alex Alvarado. Thank you for listening. Caleb, you didn't get to watch the Mac Championship game, though. I was there live. I was in Detroit. Very convenient for me. But, Caleb, uh, what were you doing? What sports were you watching? Uh, I went out to a girls' high school basketball invitational in the Burbs that had some of the the best teams in the state of Illinois there. And so that's what I was covering. Kind of just, it was a big like shop college showcase, bunch of power five type college basketball programs and mid majors were there watching some of the better girls players in the Chicago area. So it was pretty good. Got probably seven or eight interviews out of it. I got hundreds and hundreds of photos and already posted like a 40 something photo, photo gallery, and then going to write a feature and then got to meet a bunch of the coaches who I've only ever talk to in the Twitter DMs or over email. So it was was productive. You really only met them over COVID time. Yeah. So productive day overall. So that was, it was good. Got a lot of, got a lot of positive feedback about the basketball rating I've been doing and people saying like how much they appreciate girls basketball being covered out here. So, which, Uh, oh yeah, we, I want to talk to you like very in depth about that when we uh, hit end record at some point. Um, (laughs) So, and I do, I want to ask a follow-up question. I don't say this ironically. Uh, Give someone some shine. Who's, who's a good player that you saw? Like I know no one in here is going to go watch a girls basketball game or the highlights, blah, blah, blah. But I care about you because you're my friend. What did you say? Uh, so there were a lot of, there were actually a lot of really high level basketball commits. And I wouldn't say this person was the best player, but the, uh, the girl who probably had the best game, all things considered was, uh, her name's Simone Sawyer. She plays for Stevenson high school in the, uh, Northern suburbs of Chicago. And, uh, honestly it makes them look like one of the best teams in the state. She's a, uh, Penn signee, uh, Pennsylvania signee, uh, scored 31 points against a city school called Whitney Young, which has some of the best talent in the state too. So um, watched one of the best suburban teams in the state versus one of the best city teams uh, overall. And it's the type of game that would be like a state final four, potentially or a quarterfinal matchup in all likelihood. So it was, it was fun. It was really good basketball. And uh, even early in the season, like it's really fun to get out and watch some of the better teams in the state play before like all the conference games start happening and, uh, some of these really good teams start beating their opponents by like 40 every night. <laughs> now, this sounds like a team that was, you know, has preseason expectations to like do well and all that stuff. Um, did they play against opponents that, you know, were underdogs, would you say? Did they, well, if you know, uh, if it's going to be a transition to the match championship game that yep. works, uh, but uh, no, most of them were matched up pretty well with uh, teams that were of their caliber. Ooh, that's pretty good. NIU, 41. Kent State of Ohio, 23. Uh, Okay, so you weren't at that game. I was at that game. We're going to switch tables here. We're switching it up to uh, what we actually care about. Because this is the Mac Football Pod. People care about... This is, like, the most important game of the year, always. Uh, For, like, as national as, like, the top level as this game has grown. Like, oh, you know, Big Ten Championship doesn't matter as much as the playoff or whatever the hell. Like... Hey, if you're in the Mac, this is this is the one game that like you actually care about going to Ford Field. Uh, NIU pulled off shit one hell of a year, one hell of a game. What's your takeaway from this game, knowing uh, knowing what you know about it? Well, for one, it's just nice that they actually did stick to the plan of hey, we want to hold on to the football and uh, NIU, yeah, yeah, NIU chewing up clock and. You know, they did exactly what you would hope they would have done offensively, right? They shoot up yards, not in, big, in huge chunks, but just like four, five, six, seven, three, two, eight, and distributed it between Ducker and Brown. And the offensive line showed how far they've come in just a very few short years. People like Nolan Potter and 
Braden Patton have become two of the more reliable linemen in the conferences. And and if you had to rely on your run game over anything else you want to do, like that's, it's whatever. It's not magical. It's not overly exciting to a lot of people. I mean, even you had something to say about how not exciting it was in person at times, but uh, that's the big takeaway is just, they did exactly what their identity was and they didn't stray from it in the championship game. Yeah. I mean, you know, three yards in cloud of dust, but it didn't help that like, you know, they're also playing against a team that wasn't playing up to their capabilities either. Like, Dustin sure. Crum played a very bad game. And and I not and I Kent State's offense also didn't really help him out either. Like Marquez Cooper, people were wondering if he was hurt because he at halftime only had like negative two rushing yards. No, he was just super ineffective. Marquez or uh, Marquez, um Xavier Williams, he had a couple of long runs, but you probably don't really remember remember them because they just weren't very significant in important times. Uh, there were too many incomplete pass plays. There was at least five noticeably bad throws by Dustin Crum. Not just incomplete, but bad throws. And they either led to failed touchdown possibilities or an interception. And I'm not talking about, like, the, the pick six. I'm not even going to be mad about that. Like, you know, he's in desperation time, and that was just, like, the the game, like, was so far, like, out of Kent State's control at that point. You know, that just sort of sealed the deal more than anything. But, you know, he overthrew Dante Cephas on the first play of the game. He overthrew, um, who was it, Nakeem Johnson in the second quarter when that would have been an easy possibility for a touchdown. There was another overthrow in the end zone. There was an underthrow in the first half that led to an interception. Uh, Just, you know, this is the MAC MVP, and he just did not have a great game. And for an offense like this, he, your ace has to be an ace. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at Crum as like an NFL caliber quarterback, somebody who's gonna who could get drafted or goes undrafted, this this game did not did not bode well for his future prospects. And and honestly, like as a, as a player, you aren't. I, I would hope you're not looking at this game purely as how can I show out for people, and I doubt they are. I don't think that's how Kent State's gotten to this point, but. It's it's in hindsight a little disappointing, obviously, to see mm-hmm. how much they struggled, how much the offense struggled given what they did earlier on. And credit uh, credit uh, Coach Jackson over at NIU. He's gotten a lot of flack this year for the way they showed out at the beginning of the year, and I think it's it was it was deserved at the time, you know. But you looking you looking back, and Wyoming won a conference title and put up 50, hung fifty on NIU in a really fun uh, back and forth game. Uh, Michigan, who again college football playoff, put sixty three on them. Uh, and after I think it was about halftime of the main game, like they kind of just figured some stuff out. Like sure they had some games in the Mac where they weren't stellar, but you're almost never unless you're like a dominant dominant defense going to hold teams under forty in Mac play. It just doesn't really consistently happen anymore, or hasn't happened for decades. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I got I got to give you a quick yeah. correction. I don't, Wyoming didn't win the Mountain West. That was uh, who was it? Utah State. Utah State won it. Wait, Wyoming? I thought Wyoming and Mm-mm. No, they oh, finished fourth. You know, fourth in their what? division. They, I mean, they played well, but like they, they didn't win their thing. All right, I'm stupid. Whatever. Uh, they played Michigan, though. I mean, that counts, and they let up 63 points on the road, which, like, you know, that probably would have happened on a bad Michigan team, but at least it was only 63 to, you know, apparently the number <laughs> two team in the nation now. Jesus Christ, yeah. that's so crazy. Well, thanks, for, thanks for the correction. I think I took some twitter person at their word and didn't look it up it's okay we we need to issue another correction for last week i get and it's for me it's me i said Uh-oh. 
Yeah, I said Ekron. What did I say? What did I say about the the 2005? About uh, them winning or losing a MAC championship? Yep. Yeah. Uh, I guess I got that wrong. <laughs> I guess I got that wrong. I'm sorry. I'm very sorry about that. Listen, if uh, you're coming here for the best facts, go somewhere. <laughs> yeah. The final score of that game was Akron 31, NIU 30. Uh, oh man, we got to talk about that. We got to talk about that team later. Anyways, Dustin Crum, not a good game. Just not a good game. Everyone and everyone else just fell apart. And you said earlier, you know, uh, NIU they ran the ball 61 times. That's a MAC championship game record. It was previously held by NIU in Toledo in 2012 and 2001 with 56. Now it's 61. Uh, that took up 40 minutes. And I know, like, this isn't like. No one really talks about time of possession the way they did, like, I don't know, 10 years ago, 15 years sure. ago. The sports changed, yeah. Yeah, the sports changed, and we understand, like, points are points, and it doesn't matter if it takes a second or 10 minutes. But uh, when you're playing flash fast, you know, the positive of that is, like, oh, we're going to score in a hurry and all that stuff. But, like, when things fail, you're off the field in a hurry, too. Uh, and that's that's something that people needed to keep in mind. And NIU... They just played more physical. Like they're when you play like that flash fast style of you know play, like those guys are getting thinned up even at like the line of scrimmage. Those offensive linemen do a lot of cardio. Uh yeah, and NIU they just if you match up more physically, you're gonna beat them like that every time. You know, and you don't have to worry about, you know, the the fifty two forty sevens. You don't have to worry about that shit. You don't have to worry about you know, and NIU, they saw themselves losing another shootout at home, like you said, to Wyoming. What was that, like 50 to 43? Uh, yeah, something like that, yep. Yeah, and you know, what, what did we say earlier? We, we said, if this gets super high scoring, this is a Sean Lewis game. Very low scoring, it's a hammock game. And it wasn't even like low scoring, but the game worked in the way that it needed to for NIU to win, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, and I mean, credit to the defense, too. I mean, two interceptions and uh, Ten tackles big... for loss. Yeah, tackles for loss, big third down stops in the first half uh, consistently. They couldn't get off the field against Kent State in the first time around. This time, they figured it out. NIU, uh, good job hiring Thomas Hammock. I don't <laughs> think he was the first or second or third or fourth choice, but... Uh, I think he was. Shit, let's, let's man, hold on. he was. Like, let's, let's not forget that like Thomas Hammock was like Sean Frazier's dude. They worked together at Wisconsin. He... They might have had like an I like a dream candidate that was better than Hammock, but like in all likelihood, Hammock Frazier. Really I think that's what I mean. I think that's what I mean. They wanted to bring Hammock home after like it's like okay, you didn't get your number one, number two guy. I've got a few names in my head, but I'm not going to toss them out there just in hindsight. So uh, Hammock was the guy who was like, okay, you know what? If the worst we can do is bring back a coach with offensive coordinator experience in the Big Ten, uh, NFL coaching experience, and is a beloved alum, then wow what a shame it mm-hmm. just took three years for them to i mean <laughs> figure it out which is not bad i mean as a as a fan and observer as a person observing from the out even from even from my perspective like on the inside for a year i'm like wow they don't really have an identity and they don't really know what they're about even though they're preaching the hard way they're preaching this old stuff that they've done for years but year three everybody bought in and that's the biggest part of what this team is they're not the most talented team in the conference. They're far from they're the, they're the least experienced team in the conference. They have a ton of like what could be glaring flaws on other teams, but literally just the biggest difference is just mo- all of their players are bought in. 
they're completely and utterly bought into what they're about now. And it just took a little bit of time to figure it out. Now that they've got that, like, and now you might not win the next few MAC titles, who knows? But <laughs> you should expect them to, they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're still going to walk around with the target. Like, they're still yeah. NIU. They're still going to be wearing their helmets. They're very, very NIU again. They are feared and, oh, crap, we got we got NIU on the schedule again this week. That's going to be every week now going forward. And that has been for a few weeks now. I've, I've had a thought about NIU for a while, and I want to run it by you. And you tell me if I'm accurate, inaccurate, whatever. This team is 90s as hell. This team feels very fucking 90s. It feels like feels like Rocky Lombardi just kind of rolled up in a trucker hat backwards, <laughs> drank a beer when he showed up, threw it in the back of his truck because he wouldn't let I it on the get, I kind of get what you're saying. He's got a bunch of... You know, hey, there's only that. there's only ten seniors left because you know there's only ten of us left, and uh, we got Some a bunch of 18, 19 year olds on here. We got a yeah. bunch of we got to prove it here's. Yeah, and what I what I can appreciate, like there was like after the fact that nobody believed we were going to be here, nobody like thought we could, but at least it like it's understandable with NIU. Like everybody picked them to finish last. Yeah, it's not it's not that BS where they're like the second best team in the conference, like no one believed in us. We have all these haters and whatever. Like they just stuck to the facts. It was, look, people picked us last and we just did the work. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very much aligned with who they are as a program and what they profess to be. Mm -hmm. It's not, it's not fake. It's not BS. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think it's more of a reason to be proud of the work that they put in and to like have that materialize into the season that they had more than like, oh, that stupid fucking media. Like, I don't think that's the best really you know, takeaway out of all this. I get that it's like the fun care like the fun torch that they carry along and like they should. Like it's it's good stuff. Like they should wear those custom uh not helmets, hoodies. Um that have them last in the polls and all that stuff because they were. They were. And like they deserve to be the worst team in yeah, the world. And like we've said it a hundred times. We don't need to rehash it. But like good for them. You know, they should well, be proud of like everything they overcome because Literally, this has never happened before. Nobody yeah. has ever gone from zero wins to league champion like this and FBS play. That's never happened. This is a, his yep. a historic college football team. Make n like, it, And it should look like this. It should look ugly. And it should look like, you know, hey, there's a couple good players here and there, but there's like no studs, no real superstars, you know, a lot, you know, Mac freshman of the year, Jay Ducker. Hell yeah. You know, that's cool. But like there, no one was like blowing. No one was having like Dustin Crumb 2019 numbers, right? There was no like all oh, number one QB or number one anything. Like it really was just a total team effort. And you just love to see it. You love to see it. All Mac teams. Did we even talk about this? Did I go over my notes about the, the split differences? No, we didn't. We didn't. We didn't talk about the all Mac teams yet, Caleb. Uh, now, who did we want as the MVP? I mean, I said Lou Nichols. I, I know. Pretty, I know. I told you Lou Nichols. Yeah, I was pretty aboard the Lou Nichols train. Uh, how did he do? Pretty good. Offensive Player of the Year, Lou Nichols. Defensive Player of the Year, Ali Fayad. But the MVP of the league is Dustin Crum. Mm -hmm. Um. Let's take all of this with a grain of salt, first of all, because all of this, all of this, all of this is done by the coaches. So if you're mad at the Mac and you're just at 
you know, tweeting at Max Sports and being like, what the hell are you guys doing? Like, I don't know, man. Just tweet at Chris Creighton. Tweet at Mike New. Tweet at fucking Jason Candle. They did this. Uh, but Dustin Crum, Lou Nichols, uh, they don't align as MVP or Offensive Player of the Year. I was like, hmm, when have we seen this before? When has the league MVP not also been the Offensive or Defensive Player of the Year? Uh, I only did enough research to go back to 97 to keep it in the max championship game era. Also, it's just a really long list. Uh, Caleb, would you venture to guess how many times this has happened in the championship game era? Let's go with four. You're pretty close, six. Uh, Dustin Crum this year in 2016. Zach Terrell was MVP. Corey Davis was the offensive player of the year. 2014. The MVP was, I don't know if you're ready for this, Greg Manx, offensive lineman for Toledo, and then the offensive player of the year was Jarvion. Yeah. 2007, we're going defense, so this was kind of fun. Uh, Defensive end Larry English was the MVP, and defensive player of the year was a Miami linebacker, Clayton Mullins. Uh, And 04 and 05, 05 we saw Bruce Gredkowski be the MVP for Toledo, and the offensive player of the year was Greg Jennings played receiver at Western. And then 2004, Charlie Fry was the MVP. Omar Jacobs, Offensive Player of the Year. Okay. That one doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, that yeah, that one, when I got there, I was like, whoa, what the fuck? <laughs> Quarterbacks for different ones. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I mean, it can make sense. Your, your, your reasoning for your selections have to be very specific. It's like, MVP, if you took this guy off the team, like, you would lose the most value. You would lose, like, the most success on your team versus if you took the other guy off, off his team. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. 2004. That was a very good Bowling Green team. Yeah. And I remember Omar Jacobs being like the dude for a while, but he like the dude for that time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just that age old, like what is best player versus valuable player? I mean, like it's just, Oh man, it'll never die. It will never die. And you know what? Here we are carrying that torch in the Mac in 2021, because you know what? That's the best that we got going for us. I'm just kidding. We're going to move on. Uh, I said we were going to talk about that 2005 Akron team again. Joe Moorhead used to coach there, and now he's back at Akron. He's their head coach. Joe goddamn Moorhead. So let me add from this that uh, my <laughs> my buddies, the group text I have with my buddies, uh, as soon as we saw that that was rumored, it was like, oh, instant fear. Um, we have to compete with as an Ohio fan, like we have to compete with Joe Moorhead in the Mac East for the next however many years. Like, if if Akron has any success, I would think he's going to like either leap ship to like another off, a good high high level offensive coordinator job or head coaching role. But I would think he's doing the head coach thing because he want this is what he wants moving forward. He's been head coach at Mississippi State. He's been high level offensive coordinator at numerous places, uh, notably Penn State when their offense was really flying. So. The this is one of the biggest coaching hires of the of the off season or the season or whatever, if only because it elevates the program in a way like few mm-hmm. other coaches in the sport hires like what their hiring will do for their program. Yeah. This immediately hires what Akron is capable of, like in a big, big way. Yeah, absolutely. Like even if it doesn't automatically make Akron six and six next year, like it still elevates, you know, like like you just said, the level of that program and what it's capable of. And I'm trying to think, like, what other hires 
nationally have hired where they like has had that kind of effect. Like the one that comes to mind is Lincoln Riley to USC, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Brian Kelly to LSU, TBD. But you know, blah blah blah, he'll do fine. And Billy Napier to Florida. There's not a lot of head coaching hires where I'm just like, oh, they're an obvious like great thing. Like Marcus Freeman might be good at Notre Dame, but like first time head coach at Notre Dame. Like normally you see 35 year olds get their first job head coaching at the Mac level, you know, and they think, okay, they're going to coach their way up. And now they run themselves into a Sean Lewis situation where they're not at the level in year four where they ought to be, you know, to make that jump. But still Sean Lewis still through all this, he's, he didn't have the best 2021 season, right? Like they should have won the Mac. They were the favorites in all this. Um, at least on the east side, probably split MAC championship game wise, but whatever. That's the discussion for twenty minutes ago. Uh, he, if other schools still like him enough, I'm not saying anybody should hire him because I'm not smart enough to say one way or another there. But let's say, let's just say that he does leave, you know, for another job that just like comes open. They're like, well, we weren't planning on hiring you anyways, but here we are. We have to hire Sean Lewis now. Uh, Kent State's going to have to match a Joe Moorhead hire if that happens. Good luck with that. I don't. And I just wonder what that situation is just going to look like. I don't have any thoughts further than that, but that is a situation that we're going to have to look at if it comes to it. Till then, Joe Moorhead to Akron. Shit, yeah, man, that is awesome, though. That is awesome. He's a guy that once told a bunch of reporters in Mississippi that he has a Yankee ass. Um, he's a Pittsburgh guy. Part of my brain's like, oh, is he going to parlay this Akron success that he may or may not have into an eventual Pitt or Penn State opening? That's unhealthy. Please don't go down that route that I just did. I, I got the sillies out for like you. That's that's the, like my brain. That's the end of the road. That, that should be the end of it for you. Until then, Joe Moorhead, if all goes right or if all fails... There's a realistic possibility that he's in Akron for at least three or four or five or seven years. You better love it. And Akron, they have to hire a guy who is, you know, capital B, capital D, built different. And if you find a coach that is capital B, capital D, built different, then you land yourself a Lance Leipold or a Chris Creighton. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm just, I'm sitting here and all I can think of is how uninspired does it feel to think that Tim Albin is still the head coach of Ohio University? <laughs> uh, like, yes, you wanted the continuity and then you gave him a four-year contract and you're like, you'll figure it out. It's all good. We can keep doing what we're doing. God. I mean, they, there was that late spark. There was that late spark. Did that buy him a little bit more time? I mean, dude, they sucked against BG. They did. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, but that's Scott Loeffler and third year, late stretch. I don't know. I don't know, man. It's the t- BG is bad. <clears throat> they played well in very brief spurts, which gives you reason to be optimistic about them. Mm-hmm. Ohio is like, we just want to ride this like okay wave that we're on, but with a worse coach with less experience just because of the continuity aspect of it. So whatever. I think I'd spend, I'd be better spend more time talking about Miami today. If we wanted to talk about somebody else that wasn't our Mac champions. What if they're trying to get like Tyler Tettleton peppered into the head coaching role? 
and this is like, their way into it. I feel like he's probably going to be the OC. I feel like that's probably where this is going to head at some point because he's, oh, what's his role right now? I know he's a, he's an offensive assistant, but let me do a quick. You think he was search. like pass game coordinator, running back coach? It's probably that. I think that's. I mean, he's got he's got NFL experience, so. Uh, Offensive quality, no, he was offensive quality control um, with them. So he was assistant football coach, passing game coordinator, running backs coach. That, and I think, like, I think it's also important to have, like, some Mac bona fides in the Mac to know what the fuck you're doing, right? Like, Forehead's a little bit different. Like, he's not exactly a Mac guy, but he is from the Midwest. He gets it. Like, he's a glutton for punishment, clearly. I think Curtis Rourke benefited from having Tettleton this year because. Uh, after the the poor start initially, he actually did develop in a certain way, and uh, a couple guys between like Isaiah Cox and Odom and uh, mm. some of the other guys in the receivers room actually did show some some potential that I don't know that was necessarily there at the beginning of the year. So mm-hmm. um, there were reasons to be excited about what they could do, but it's just until you either recruit better or have something systematically much better than what other teams are doing, like we're, Ohio's not going to be. They're, they're very much at risk of falling into the bottom rung of the mat consistently for years to come. They got a hit in the transfer portal. And, like, that's going to be consistent throughout this yeah. league and throughout the nation. But, like, Ohio right. really needs to hit in the transfer portal. Because Toledo, like, they could live – like, Toledo and Western, yeah, they didn't make the MAC championship game, blah, blah, blah. But their other things are so good where, like, they can recruit the high, like the good high schoolers better than Ohio can. Ohio better, like – invest more time in that transfer portal where they're getting guys from like sacred heart or Syracuse that you know <laughs> need at least just like one good year or two good years. Let Ohio state, let Ohio be that thing. And just like let the rest of the freshmen and sophomores be walk-ons. Not all of them, but you get what I'm saying. Oh my God. I got to check Twitter. Is there, are there any bowl games or any of these things announced yet? Uh, I, we all we, right now, all I have is Toledo and, Middle Tennessee, noted not Mac team, uh, going to the Bahamas Bowl. That's it. And it's not really worth doing it, it unless we unless we want to wait and record as as all of them have come in. Nah, I was well. Oh, I'm keeping all this in. By the way, I was just hoping that you know bowl games would have been announced already, but apparently we still got to wait for the. Uh, let's see, we're recording this at one. It is now re- you know leading into one twenty on the East time zone. Uh, kind of would have expected some bowl games to be announced, but we got to wait for this four-hour freaking playoff show to to end. I don't know what the I don't know what the teams ranked seven through twenty-five are still. This it's not the most important thing to me, clearly, because like no MAC team is going to be in the top twenty-five, maybe NIU, but oh god. Oh well. We'll wait for bowl games to come in. We'll tell you guys later. Uh, Caleb, oh, man, we're going to get this in in under 30 minutes. This is good for us. Yeah. Do you have any closing thoughts that you know want to finish on? Have it be, I don't know, MAC championship game. The I don't know. You know the world. Well, I guess I'm, I'm going to refrain from the way too early 2022 20, predictions since we haven't had a bowl oh, season. Oh, God, yet. no, I don't want to do that. Jesus Christ, <laughs> I love the football we have right now. But um, Best season ever, though, right? Uh, yeah, <laughs> like this but, uh, is seriously, so good. will be the best season. Um, I think I am interested. Has Central Michigan's opponent been decided yet? Uh, I literally the only one I know is Toledo. Okay, like only so, bowl game. I'm very interested in how like 
Central shows out. They've had some very good bowl games in, mm-hmm. in recent years. And if like Lou Nichols has the chance to like really show out on a, on a bigger stage, I think that would be really fun for the for the conference. And other than that, I mean, like maybe maybe like we get the chance to see like Jack Sorensen have his absolute like <laughs> like shining moment for some teams to see. Oh it would be really fun to watch that. So I'm more just I guess looking for hoping some individual players get some some big shine uh, during the bowl games. Me too with Eastern. And it's going to be good that like no MAC team is going to like sit at home this bowl season either. Well, no bowl eligible MAC team is yeah. going to sit at home because we got to get Texas on screen. We need more Texas. And boom goes the dynamite. 